If you have your Bibles, would you grab them and go with me to John chapter 16, verse 32 and 33. John chapter 16. As you're turning there, I want to kind of tell you where we're at in this part of the gospel. We now have um, Jesus beginning to do something that's really remarkable because you don't have this in Matthew or Mark or Luke. You don't have him explaining what we would call the work of the third person of the Godhead. Here you do. So Jesus is now having what we would call a discourse with the disciples about the fact that his time, he's run his race, and now it's done. So he's going to begin to explain to them, all right, now I've done what I've been called to do. Now another person is going to come. And this is what we would, and these literally from 14 on, we have what we call a developing theology of the Holy Spirit beginning to be explained to us by the Lord himself. And so this is where we understand the work of the Holy Spirit. And what Jesus is beginning to do is he's going to say, now look, what I gave you while I was here, I'm going to leave, but what was with me is now going to come upon you. What is that going to look like in your life? And so he begins to describe the person of the Holy Spirit, how he is going to relate to you. And as we get later on in uh, John chapter 16, especially the part we're coming to, he's going to now talk about how knowing the Holy Spirit, there's something that he's going to do in relationship to you that's going to help you overcome the world. And I, I don't know if you guys see this or you ever think about this, but there are promises that Jesus actually gives you and I about life by knowing him. And some of it is things like he's going to give you an abundant life. Or here in this passage, he's going to give you an overcoming life. And I don't know if you guys are like I am. When Jesus talks that way, I actually don't understand what he's talking about because I live in a fallen world and I keep thinking in a fallen world I can't overcome and I have the Lord himself actually challenging me that that's not what Jesus has provided for. He's provided for an abundant life and an overcoming life. And so here the Holy Spirit is being described in context of this idea of you and I actually becoming overcomers because of his presence in our life. So what does that actually look like? Let's look at the passage. Verse 32 in John 16. Behold, an hour is coming and has already come. For you are to be scattered, each to his own home, and to leave me alone. Yet I am not alone, because the Father is with me. These things I have spoken to you, so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have tribulation, but take courage. I have overcome the world. Now here, Jesus is describing the reality that because he's leaving, he's not actually been abandoned. He's now what we call bringing into sharp focus. What does it actually mean if I walk with God? It means that I will never be abandoned. I will never be alone. Jesus is saying, this thing that's going on in my life, you're now going to come into this reality. And so even though you guys are going to be afraid because you don't have the Holy Spirit living in you, you're going to scatter, but in the future, you won't be doing that. You'll actually experience the same thing that I'm now experiencing, and it's the Father being with me. You're going to come into this, and it's going to change you. And these simple statements that Jesus makes, I don't know if you guys are like I am. Jesus says so many profound, wonderful things that 
we almost kind of miss a lot of the stuff he's saying because it's so much to take in. But just in a few st statements here that Jesus is making, there's so much information being given to us that we just need to stop for a moment, back up, look at the passage and saying, why is he saying this to us? So here it says this, so that in me you may have peace. The word peace is what we're going to begin with. By the way, I found that as I started looking at this word peace specifically in the New Testament and researching it, I actually had an assumption about the word peace, and I think I mentioned this last month, but what's happening is I'm on my own journey with this word peace right now, because this doesn't mean, a lot of times when we translate the word peace, we think of the absence of conflict or what we would call harmony. So if I have peace with God, that means that nothing in my world is in conflict. Well, that's not what the word peace here means in this passage. In fact, there's 92 references to this type of peace that Jesus uses constantly in the gospel. And we have to understand this word for peace in the original language is very profound, and it, and it has an impact that Jesus wants to have. Now, remember, the idea is Jesus is saying, I want you to understand something about overcoming the world, and it comes by me saying, I give you peace. So what does this word peace mean? It's a Greek word, obviously, comes out of the Greek New Testament, and it's two different words from the Hebrew. It's ero, or eriano, which I'm sure you're excited about. But what it actually means is it means to take from a portion and bring it into completion or take what we call fragmentation in life and bring it into wholeness. And so the word actually means to create wholeness. Now, this is important. When Jesus says, I give you peace, he's saying, I am now causing, the Holy Spirit's job is to come and create wholeness to fragmentation in your life. Now, why is that so important? Because this is the Greek word that ties to the um, Hebrew word, shalom. I brought this up last month because, again, this is a theme that Jesus uses constantly in the Bible. What does shalom mean? Wholeness and prosperity in every area of your life that satisfies you so deeply, you're at peace. Now here Jesus is saying, how are you and I going to overcome the world? Jesus is going to take what is going on in our lives and he's going to take the fragmentation of turmoil, stress, spiritual warfare, all the things that you and I go through, and what he's going to do is he's going to use that now to bring us into wholeness so that we have prosperity as a lifestyle, as a believer. This is what we would call, if you guys ever looked at the ministry of the Holy Spirit and you think it's such a mystery, well, I do believe it's a mystery, but this stuff Jesus has explained to you and I. The distinction of the New Testament believer is God doesn't leave us in the middle of conflict to suffer. He leaves us in the middle of a fallen world to bring wholeness to us. And so the very thing that would crush you if you didn't know Christ is now your victory because God is in the midst of it and his goal is to make you whole and to make you prosperous. Now when we talk about prosperity, a lot of people think only financially, but the Bible uses the term prosperity as God's goal of abundant life. He wants you so full of joy in every area, you can actually say, I'm prosper because I know the Lord. So here, what is Jesus telling you? He's 
basically saying, here's what the kingdom of God, and you guys ever heard the term people throw it out all the time, what is the kingdom of God like? What is the Holy Spirit like inside of me as he lives inside of me? This work of wholeness, it's literally like, if I can use a simple analogy, it's like a blender is going on all the time. Any area of our life that does not have wholeness, the Holy Spirit is now speaking to us in that area, drawing us in that area, letting pressure push us in that area so that we will connect with Him. When we connect with Him through the Holy Spirit, wholeness comes to us. And so Jesus is now giving us the wisdom of God to become overcomers, and it's what we call the wisdom of understanding what we are going through and how an overcoming life comes to our soul so that we can stand in our life and say, doesn't matter what I go through, I'm an overcomer. And that's what Jesus is now saying to you and I in this passage. He's saying, uh, in me you may have peace. So salvation isn't just eternal life, it is the quality of eternal life. What is the quality of eternal life. Prosperity, wholeness, it's God's gift to you and I. Now, this is amazing. Culturally, you're taught to never pursue wholeness. You're taught to act like everything's okay. You guys ever seen that? We come to church and we talk to each other. Hey, how are you doing? Fine. Then we have to ask you again. How are you actually doing? Well, my life's falling apart. Okay. Now, why do, we, why do we just say fine all the time? Because we're uncomfortable with the fact that these things that we're going through is God's wisdom to bring us into wholeness, and so we're uncomfortable talking. We actually think everybody's got it all figured out, and yet we don't understand that you and me are on a unique journey of wholeness, and each one's on their own path to come to the same person called the Lord of wholeness. And so it's okay for me to say, gosh, I'm actually weak in this area. I'm really struggling. Now, I don't know if you guys would enjoy this, but wouldn't it be unusual if we had people stand in front of you and just say, hey, you know, actually, in Christ, I'm an absolute basket case. But it's okay because I'm walking with a whole person that's changing me. Three of you got it. Okay, let's move on. So Christ's goal through the Holy Spirit in this passage is he's saying, Look, I have come to give this to you. In fact, let's keep going on. It says, in this world you have tribulation. Now, again, Jesus isn't just saying, hey, it's going to be tough. This word that he's using here in the original language, and I'm going to retranslate this, but it's the ellipsis, which I'm sure you're excited about. It means tribulation, but it also means to be compressed, or it means to be hemmed in. Have you guys ever gone through a situation where people are giving you a hard time or situations going on in your life and you feel like there's no way of getting out of it? That's the word that Jesus is using here. He's saying, now look, my peace that I'm going to give you, even though you're going to have tribulation, and he's using a very specific word for tribulation here. He's saying the things that happen in your outward world have an effect on the inside of you. What does it produce? Now, how many of you go through circumstances and you try to hide from them because you feel like you will not overcome? How many of you think, oh no, here comes that thing, I need to try to figure out how to hide from it, or here comes that person, I don't know how to resolve this conflict. And what happens is, is the very thing that we're trying to get away from, 
God is letting that be a part of our existence because he's, that thing is itself a call to wholeness. And he's saying, that thing you feel inside of you, quit suppressing and acting like it's there. Face it, because I'm going to bring my wholeness to you if you'll do it. And so he's now looking at your soul, and he's saying that inward conflict, that tribulation, this word means inside of you, you will have tribulation. It is a term for the effect of what happens in your soul. So do you, if you and I go through a situation and I feel fear, I feel stress, there's anxiety, I'm not sleeping well at night. If I'm going through those things, the Bible says those are normal things to go through. But how do I respond to those things? Over the last month, my um, son-in-law and my grandson both, both got whooping cough. That's not some easy condition you get. It's pretty severe. You cough so much that you lose your breath and you pass out. And if it keeps progressing, you die from it. Well, guess what? That put a little stress on me. In fact, the last time I was here with you, I had so much stress on me that I wasn't sleeping while I was here on my last ministry trip. Every night I'm just praying, God, you have got to help. And I'm praying for them. And not only am I praying for them, I've got to be honest with you, I'm praying for myself. I can't carry the anxiety that's going on with that situation. I have to meet someone stronger than that situation to help me overcome. And as I'm seeking the Lord, His presence comes to me. He doesn't tell me He's going to deliver them, but His peace comes into my heart. The minute that peace came, the power of overcoming hit me. Now, it didn't mean that I got over the warfare. It doesn't mean that I had less stress. It means that all of a sudden, the victory that I needed came into my soul, and I could tell once he met me with that peace, he was going to get me to the other side. And if you begin to recognize that, you'll begin to long for the very... Think about it. When you and I go through trials, the goal isn't to try to figure out the principles of getting through the trials. The goal is to find him... He'll give you what you need, and he'll get you through the trial. See, trials are not principle-based. They're relationship-based. What am I going through that Jesus wants to connect with to help me overcome, to set me free? See, him being a savior is unique, and that's what we're getting from John. I don't need a savior once to forgive me of my sin. I need a savior continually, forever. That's what he's giving me in the kingdom of God. See, think about the Jesus that you and I walked with. He didn't just go do this work, provide salvation, and said, now I'm going to go take a nap. You guys figure it out till the Antichrist and it's over. <laughs> he came and said, no, I'm going to show you a quality of life that's so unique, I'm going to now explain it to you. I want you to understand. The things in my kingdom, before you were in my kingdom... You were afraid of them, they destroyed you, and you were not overcome. In me, you meet me, I'm with you consistently, and you will overcome. All right, let's keep moving on on the passage. So what is he helping me overcome? Pressure. The defeat I feel inside my thinking and my soul. By the way, 
I believe at certain places in people's lives, they're dealing with what we would call discouragement to the point where it throws them into depression. And this is amazing that this passage actually says that God can come to you and deliver you of that just by bringing peace to you. When I was in my, right before I turned 30 and went into full-time ministry, I worked at a sporting good corporation. Uh, most people don't know this, but I have two degrees. I have one in theology and another in graphic design. So I'm actually trained as a graphic designer. So I was working for a sporting good corporation in Kansas City. And um, on a daily basis, I just did like 40 or 50 designs uh, at that stage for the stuff they were doing. And I went in for my job review and uh, got a terrible job review. They said, well, you're actually not doing great, and if you don't turn this around, we're putting you on probation, and in six months, if you don't improve this, we're going to fire you. Now, would that bring joy to anybody if you went through that kind of experience? <laughs> How many of you have ever gone through that kind of experience? And so what that did is, if you guys ever watch life, sometimes it's like everything comes at you from every direction, and you just feel overwhelmed. Now, here's the wisdom of God. I was amazed by this. I actually, for about the first week, all I did was I was mad at the Lord and I complained to him about this isn't fair. And then I said, why am I even doing this? You called me to full-time ministry. I don't know if you guys have ever done this kind of reasoning with God. But once the Lord got me to stop, he actually said, well, Brian, if you'll come to me, I'll tell you a strategy to overcome that. And I want you to just simply obey me. Uh, that actually surprised me. He basically, I'm not going to give you the whole strategy because you guys have to learn some of this on your own, but he actually told me how to take the things I hated the most, do them at the first part of the day, at the end of the day, do the things I enjoy, and actually how to develop it. And he started talking to me about how to rest and take breaks and what I should be focusing on on my mind while I'm doing my work. And in one month, I went from being put into probation to where at the end of the month, they used to have this contest where they gave this Mickey Mouse trophy and our design department for the person that produced the most designs. I won it a month later, and from that point on until I got a promotion into a different department, I never lost that award. Now, you guys ready? Those situations, how do we look at them? Oh, this is to destroy me. No, God brought you into it so that you would overcome, and not only come, learn the wisdom of God that you can't unless you go into that situation. There was a guy named Graham Cook. Have you guys ever heard of him? Not very many people know him. But I was at a, a training he was doing in um, Rochester, Minnesota, and he says, I actually used to hate trials and I used to hate problems because I always felt like I was being overcome all the time. He says, now I understand the wisdom of God and I thoroughly enjoy them when they come now. Now, doesn't that sound weird to say that to a group of people? But if you understand who the Lord is, what his purpose, he doesn't bring the trial. He uses it to produce something in you. If you understand that, you'll actually learn to enjoy it as much as you can. Okay, now, Lord, I don't know if you have enough pressure coming at me. Just release a little more so that I'll stop, be, stop being self-sufficient. I'll turn to you. I'll let you break this yoke over me. Before we go to the next word... There's, people are always asking me, what is the sin nature? Have you guys ever tried to figure that out theologically? What is the sin nature? In Isaiah 53, verse 10, it tells you what the sin nature is. 
Each one of us turns to our own ways. Now, when you go through trials, think about your own heart. I recognize this about my heart. Every time a trial comes, I try to show God how clever I am, usually. That's me turning to my own ways. When I do that, what happens? Everything collapses in my life. And so the trial itself is to teach me to stop turning to myself, turning to my despair, or turning to being discouraged, but to turn to Him so that He'll teach me His ways. And that the wholeness that God wants will actually come to me. Now let's look at the passage a little more. It says this. It says, in the world you have tribulation, but take, I love this, take courage. Uh, it doesn't say uh, courage is there. It says take courage. Um, the word actually means to be um, emboldened. And so this is important. It does not say pick yourself up and act like nothing's going on. The word is not that in the original language. It actually means when I turn to God, I should be expecting an, an infusion of boldness to overcome a situation. Now, this is important that Jesus is trying to say to you and I. You ready? You do not have the power to be bold to overcome. So you have to draw it from another person. This is why the Holy Spirit is with you. He's saying, you don't have it. Stop thinking you do. So come to him. And he will actually, and I love the word, it means infuse. It actually means intentionally empowering. So this word take courage doesn't mean find it in yourself. It actually says stop looking to yourself. Look to him. When you look at him, he infuses his glory inside of you. And an infusion of boldness to overcome comes inside of you. So I go through a difficult situation. It weakens me. I'm, I recognize my weakness. And instead of looking around and trying to get everybody to tell me it'll be okay or trying to buck myself up again, I just accept the weakness. Here I am, Lord. I'm weak. Then I look past the weakness at him. He comes and brings his presence to me. And in that, I'm actually in an incubation stage of the grace of God infusing my soul with his overcoming presence. And that's where ideas, strategy, faith, a release of assurance comes into me. It says, take it from me. That's what it means. It's there in me. Grab it, draw from it, and live out of it. Yeah, I agree with whoever's saying that. Isn't this good? <laughs> take courage. I was uh, up in Minneapolis uh, a week ago uh, dealing with uh, needing courage because it was blizzarding while I was traveling. If you've ever traveled and done ministry in blizzards, it's a blast. <laughs> and so I had gone to a meeting, and we were teaching on getting close to God, and this woman stops me during the middle of my discussion, and she asked me this question, uh, something about how do you know it's the voice of the Lord? And I'm trying to answer that, and as I'm looking at her, the Lord starts having this conversation with me about what's been going on in her life and how God had actually called her to be a teacher in the body of Christ and she'd gone through this period of being rejected and actually persecuted by the body of Christ to the point where she had rejected 
her own identity and her own call in Christ. And so I'm looking at her and I'm telling her, hey, did this happen to you when you were like 10 years ago? And she's like, yes, how in the world would you know that? And I'm like, well, I don't. The Lord knows it. As I'm telling her this, I can sense the Lord coming over her and giving her strength. She, now, she broke and started weeping, but the weeping wasn't in weakness. It was because someone who loved her deeply was expressing his love to her. And she now was coming into a place that this thing that she had actually decided was going to be rejected in her life, God was encouraging her with it, and I could see him infuse her with faith. Now, what I mean by faith is very specifically, when we say faith, people are like, what does that mean? It's a deep assurance that God is with you. Each one of us in this room needs to have a deep assurance that God is with us. And God is willing to give that to us. Now, a lot of us don't realize that, so he has to send us among each other to give words to each other and to pray for each other. This is why myself, I love prophetic ministry, because it's God's what we call aggressive love being expressed to the body of Christ. God, this is his nature, this is what he's like, but in the midst of dealing with things and struggles and problems, we forget that, and so God intentionally wants to bring it back to us He wants you to know the things that he has promised you, he's spoken to you about, he wants to give an assurance, and he wants it to abide and stay consistent, not have you lose it. And so he comes and gives you this thing so that you can walk with them. All right, let's finish the last uh, statement here that Jesus is making, and let's go from there. Here Jesus says that, take courage, I have overcome the world. Now, what does it mean to overcome? Uh, you'll find this fascinating. It comes from the Greek word Nike. That's the Greek word, Nike. But it's a, it's a part of it, Nikio. And so the word Nike, if you're wondering why they named the tennis shoes Nike, it means victory. That's the Greek word for it, victory. But this Greek word doesn't mean victory like a, uh, I've overcome a situation. This word that's being used, it actually means to be carried in victory. Now, why is that so important as we're looking at this thing? It means when Jesus brings his presence into our life, he's creating an assurance of being carried along. Now, this is important. Anytime God engages me in a trial, his presence, his word, however he communicates, he's with me in that. He's basically telling me, the reason you sense me speaking to you, you sense me giving you peace, you sense me in the middle of it, is I'm giving you a statement of being carried. When you have a sense of me, I'm carrying you. So the word doesn't mean a stated victory. It means a carried along to a place of victory. And so are you ready? Jesus says this. My wholeness I give to you because in tribulation I'm going to meet you. And by meeting you, I'm going to carry you. And you don't have to be afraid if you get it right or wrong. My goal is to carry you to victory. And it's my job to bring you to victory, not your job to get yourself there. Hey, you you guys, you can clap. When I was studying this in my basement, I was yelling, amen. I mean, this is good news. So how am I going to overcome the world? I'm not. 
He's going to overcome it in me, and he, this is amazing. We say that God is a God of love, and we say, well, how does he express it? Well, right here, when he's saying the most difficult things you're going through, this is how I express my love. I'm going to be with you. I'm going to carry you. And at the end of the day, you're going to call victory knowing me, not the victory itself. If you listen to people tell testimonies, they always say this. Well, I went through the testimony, and the Lord did this. Do you ever hear people really emphasize that point? Well, the reason why is because they realize the victory itself wasn't the most powerful thing. It's what they learned about Jesus in that victory. See, I think testimony is not so much how much we are defeated. It's about how incredibly victorious he is and how he can take us from brokenness to wholeness and how wonderful that is to tell humanity. I don't have to be here. You don't have to be here because someone who loves me deeply isn't going to leave me here. He's good. I had worked for another ministry before I started Plumline, and, and at a certain point in the ministry, there was literally so much stress going on in the ministry, so much hardship, and just so much spiritual warfare that I was starting to literally get overcome. My wife was getting overcome. We couldn't find relief from the Lord. And one night, um, I don't know if you ever talked to ministers, but most ministers resign on Sundays. And then the Lord has to meet them on Monday and encourage them to stay in ministry till Friday, and then they do the sermon, and then they quit on Sunday. People think I'm kidding. So I'd, I actually went to bed and resigned from ministry. This was like 15 years ago. I told the Lord, Lord, I'm just bad at this. I don't know why you called me into this. I stink at it. This is bad. This situation, I don't know how to get out of it. I'm just struggling with this over and over. And, I, and, I'm, and I'm not just saying, I mean, I'm being serious with the Lord. I'm trying to figure out how to get out of ministry. And I'm trying to figure out how to not make him mad because I knew he called me into ministry. So I'm trying to bargain with him. I don't know if you guys ever do this kind of stuff. And so I went to bed. Lord, please, just, I'll, just let me have a 10-year break from ministry. When maybe I'm 80, I'll come back to it. Okay? So I'm just trying to do that with the Lord. I go to bed. Hard time getting to sleep. I go to sleep, and I have this experience with the Lord where I'm standing. I, how dreams work. I'm standing in a dream. And this carpet from heaven rolls down and stops right at my feet. And it's red, and I'm looking at it. So I'm watching it roll down from heaven. It goes to my feet. And then I'm starting to look back up at the carpet. When I get to the end of it, the Lord's standing there. He's not saying anything to me. He just hands his hands out. And when I'm looking at his eyes, I'm breaking. Because there's so much love coming out of it that I, it's actually hard to look at. And, and all of a sudden, everything that's in my heart, all the struggle that I've been going through, all the stress, everything, it's just coming out of my mouth. And I'm, I'm, Lord, I just have failed you. And I'm just falling apart and just thinking the Lord's going, yeah, you did, Brian. Get out of me. I think that's all the stuff that's going on in my soul. I'm still watching the Lord. I'm sobbing. I'm literally sobbing. My wife's actually woke up. She's watching me cry while I'm asleep. And you guys ready? Instead of me coming to the Lord and just, I'm sitting there repenting of everything, thinking this is what the Lord wants, he walks down the carpet to me, puts his arms around me, and I just collapse in his arms, and the love of God just starts ministering to me while I'm asleep. After I wake up, I'm just like, what? 
What was that? The passage made sense to me. These things that I'm going through, God's not looking for me to have it all figured out. He understands these things that you and I are walking through and how difficult they are. But he has so much love for you that he can overcome it. He can overcome it in your soul. Do you know my situation on the outside did not change after I had that dream? But I was set free. Would you do something with me now? Would you just kind of put your notepads down? Just let's turn our heart to the Lord. Jesus wants to come. He wants to bring this living dynamic to us now. Join me in prayer. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. Come and bring wholeness to us. The fragmented places in our soul where we think we should close a door to you, would you just tear that door off its hinge right now? And would you bring your love to us, Lord? I ask that you would release the peace and the assurance of your presence over our lives right now. And that you would break the yoke of feeling defeated and begin to establish victory by your presence. In the name of Jesus.